Welcome to the RV Travel Podcast. I'm Scott Linden, your host. Glad you could join me. Hope you're on the road listening via Bluetooth in your rig through your cell phone. Or maybe you're listening at rvtravel.com. That's an easy way to do it. Please tell your friends. And hey, we're on Apple Podcasts now, so you can subscribe there as well. Great show in store for you. We're going to get an exclusive tour, a walk around and a tire kick of the Extreme RV Little Guy Mini Max trailer from the builder himself. We'll answer all your propane questions from safety to maintenance to efficiency. Maybe get a few insider tips from an industry expert. And speaking of smelly, we'll get way down and real dirty, so to speak, on all things black water. We have T.R. Bolin on the line, the YouTube expert who knows of what he speaks when it comes to um, <clears throat> black water. So uh, get out your pencils and papers and get ready to take some notes. Uh, you're probably noting some places to go, as are all of us. I think I mentioned this once, but I did it again. I, actually, I just wrote an article for rvtravel.com and realized, you know, one of the great places to look for uh, campsite reservations, if you will. You know, it's, it's crazy out there. It's a mob scene. It's a free-for-all. It's the wild, wild west. But if you keep your eyes on what's new and who's building new RV parks, you're often ready to get in on the ground floor with a reservation. At least it's been my experience the last few days. And like I said, I wrote a piece for it. So dig up uh, rvtravel.com if you're not there already, and then just search for my name and then you'll find it in there. I think the headline has the words campground campsite crunch or something like that in it. So take a look if you're looking for a little information and motivation. I know it's tough, real tough. I'm betting about 500. I'll take that any day. How about yourself? Where are you headed? And for how long? I'm really interested in these longer trips. I don't mean like full-time and long, but I mean long enough to where you can actually exhale and then start breathing deeply and more relaxed. So we'll be talking about that on an upcoming RV travel podcast. Yeah, before we start all of that, though, let's talk about softstartrv.com slash stay cool. That's the address you go to if you want to learn more about that soft start RV gizmo. I can call it that because I have one and I love it. If you're not familiar, it's a box. And once you connect it to your RV air conditioner, you can run that air conditioner on a generator, even a small portable generator. You got two air conditioners, you can run them on a 30 amp hookup. You can run one air conditioner on 20 amp shore power from the house. Learn all about how it works and how simple it is to install. If I can do it, anybody can do it. It's all at softstartrv.com slash stay cool. And one way to stay cool is to stay hydrated. But if you're looking for a better way to drink your RV water, consider the Clear 2O Green. 
inline water filter. Clear number two, letter O, dot com. That's where you learn more about the Clear 2.0 green inline water filter. It looks different and it is different. It filters down to one micron. Now, what does that mean? Well, to this music major, it doesn't mean anything except, you know, the blue ones, they only filter to 100 microns. So these little tiny things, the bad stuff gets through, not in the green, clear to O inline water filter. They have a whole raft of other products for travelers of all sorts, even household stuff. Free shipping for orders over 100 bucks in the United States. 97% five-star reviews. Learn more at clear2o.com. Yeah, you know, I guess we could subtitle today's episode, the smelly episode. Not that he is, but he deals with a product that, for your own safety, has a smell to it. Brian Cordell is the Director of Residential and Commercial Business Development for the Propane Education and Research Council. Whew, need a drink after that. Brian, welcome to the RV Travel Podcast. Thanks so much for having me. Um, you, you probably uh, have heard every propane joke in the entire universe. You got any good ones for us? Well, just don't call me Hank Hill. That was my dad. I'm Bobby. Um, <laughs> that's that's all I got. <laughs> oh, well, that's too bad because it's going to be a long podcast at this rate. <laughs> Um, you know, let's start with that. The whole, this whole podcast is going to have an odor about it, not because of the guests, but because of the topics, but they're all important and believe it or not, very, very popular in terms of, I think everybody is scared to death, pardon the pun of, of stuff that will explode. And uh, the pro propane ranks right up there with, you know, TNT and, uh, and plastique. But it's the only one we, we carry, we sleep next to. So let's start with that smell. Give us the, the quick and dirty version of that, and then we'll, we'll go deeper in, into the whole subject. Sure. So technically, you know, propane is an odorless, colorless, gas and we say gas because it, at normal atmospheric pressures if you release it into the air it's a it's a gas so the industry adds this really strong sort of sulfur-based product ethyl mercaptan and and that is added to to every load of propane that is that is delivered to to marketers and refillers and around the country so that when it goes into your you know, if it's your bottles on a on a trailer or your your bolt-on tank on a on a motorhome, if it were to get out, you would smell that odor and you immediately recognize that something's wrong. And we appreciate that. You, you couldn't have made it, you know, red rose odor or something like that, could you? Well, well we wouldn't want something that, that someone might want to mimic as an attractant. You know, so we want, it's, a, it's designed to, to make you very acutely aware. And the great news is very rarely does it get out when you're not trying to let it out. 
Yeah, uh, unless you've got a full tank in the back of your Chevy Suburban and you're driving 30 miles and it gets a little warmer than it was when you put it in there. Is that a, I mean, is that a common problem that uh, the, the rise in temperature, does that really have a lot to do with it? Or was that just a crappy valve? Uh, depending on when that occurred, you know, we always would recommend not storing cylinders inside an yeah. enclosed vehicle. And that's why on the RV, they're on the tongue instead of in the bedroom with you. Uh, but the in 1997, uh, the industry adopted a new standard with the overfill prevention device, the little float that stops the cylinder from being overfilled. You notice the cylinders have the triangle handle on them now to indicate that that device is there. So if uh, you're in the summer, you if you put what would have been a full weight of gas in it, that gas did chill the cylinder out. You could heat it up and, and have a, a release through that relief valve. But that's, again, another safety feature that's built into the to the cylinder is so that that, that valve releases a little bit of, of gas instead of just you know, a full, full release of the, the tank. Yeah, and uh, luckily I don't do that anymore. I promise I wouldn't lie to you. You're the director of residential and commercial business development. Uh, so, so tell me, Brian, you, you get a lot worse calls than the one you're participating in right now, I'm sure. Uh, maybe not, but uh, don't tell me that. Um, wh what are some of the most common questions you get from RVers? Probably that, you know, how do we either extend our range or uh, do more things with the propane that's on the camper so that we don't have to carry an additional cylinder for a grill or a, a, a burner or a heater or something. So really it's just how do we, how do we safely take advantage of uh, options or, or add-ons to, to didn't necessarily come with the home. So, and, and again, there's, there's a lot of great equipment out there that's all been certified and tested and, and made for that purpose yeah i'm looking at mine my rig right now there are there's at least one and maybe more i i try to avoid climbing around underneath that thing but there are places where i can attach um the correct hose through the correct connect connector and then run a grill or something like that off of it is you know can most people do that these days or do they have to go right to the tanks on the trailer tongue and and do something there um our suggestion is always is is work with a, a local dealer yeah. um you know we we want to do as much stuff as we can ourselves but um sort of like changing out the motors on the slides unless you've got you know a lot of jacks and equipment to hold the slide up while you're changing the motor out you, it's it's something that it's best left to the professionals but the the short answer to your other question is depending on the pressure of the that's needed for the item that you're using. Uh -huh. The tanks, the yeah. tanks drop the pressure down to about a half a pound for the lines running through the rig. Uh, so if you need something that's higher than that, you would need a, uh, a add-on piece at the tank. If you need that lower pressure, um, there's some quick disconnect fittings that a lot of the grill manufacturers use so that you can, you know, take the grill out of storage, hang it on the side, connect it quickly, use it, and then safely disconnect it and store it for travel. Great. Um, in terms of safety, 
we're we're just plain old RVers. We're going down the road. We know that thing is uh, back. Those things are back there, likely two of them. Um, what are the most important things that we need to keep in mind as we're traveling with two full propane tanks right behind us? You start with you know keeping them on the trailer and not not in the the suburban like we were talking right. about. But, <laughs> but you know the the locking mechanisms are a little bit of a pain, but they are purpose built to hold the tanks in place on the tongue. Keeping the slide down covers on them again is not only aesthetically pleasing, but that helps to keep them in place even more as you're traveling down the road. Um, there's really no reason that you would have to shut the gas off. To, to transport the, the rig, you know, so you can keep the refrigerator cold and, and things going in the, in the camper. Uh, full connected locked on is, is the best scenario. You know, you just, uh, you just enlightened me, you know, um, so we can, and I'm grateful for that because the last thing I want to do is park after that agonizing backing into the campsite part and then not have a cold beer waiting for me when I'm done with that. Um, is it simply a matter of volume? Is it because the little flame on my refrigerator is so tiny? Or, or you know, you, there are many people out there who contend you must shut everything off, close the tanks every time you fire up your tow vehicle. The, I mean, obviously, following industry standards, if your manufacturer has a, a recommendation, um, there, but you, we think about the, the RV side when you're driving the motorhome. Um, you, we only would shut that system down to service it or to fill it or fuel it. So okay. you, you wouldn't have to do that. So you're in a, you'll be asked to take everybody out of the, the coach and, and shut the gas off and fill it up and turn it back on. So now they're, they're designed to, to be able to have a little bit of operational function nice. um, while you're traveling. Would you uh, just tell us once and for all why everybody gets mad when we show up when we've got our tanks off they're in the back of the pickup they go to the the wherever we're going the dealer of one sort or another he likes us to keep those tanks upright all the time is it simply the pressure on the valve or what why do we need to keep those tanks in their traditional position so remember I said if we released it to the atmosphere, yeah. it would be a gas. Mm -hmm. In that tank, we're storing it as a liquid. Yeah. There is a head space or vapor space uh -huh. on top of that liquid. Uh -huh. And when the tank is upright, if there was a release, it would be that vapor. The liquid is some 230-ish times more dense than the vapor. So we just want to keep – if there's going to be a release or a, a, something – that the relief valve kicks in, we just want to have it in that vapor space. So that's that's why they're asking you to keep them upright Got all it. the time. Like the bubbles on the top of a glass of beer. Exactly. Funny how I keep coming back to those analogies, isn't it? I, I think you probably don't travel very far during the day. <laughs> you camp a lot. <laughs> uh, no, I just have a lot of dumb questions, including this one. You know, at home, we, we have a giant uh, propane tank at our house that we use for a few things in the house, cooking and things like that. And the, the next time that the guy came to refill it, he blew, his, he blew his top because the house painter had painted it the same color as the house instead of leaving it white. Now, I, I get it there. 
But then here we are on our RV. I shouldn't be that. I get it because a dark colored tank attracts more sunlight, which makes the whole thing hotter, which is a bad idea with propane. All right, I get that. Am I correct so far? Correct so far. Okay, so then on the back, on the front of our travel trailer, there is a black cover over our propane tanks. Now, black probably attracts a lot more heat than the color of my house. How do we get around that? There's still some airspace between yeah. that cover and the, the steel. So you're uh -huh. not actually taking full radiant conductivity into the steel yeah. um, on that. So, and, and you know, it's just a manufacturer's choice of color. I, mine always had a, had a white tank cover. Oh, okay. Um, so the, the, the cylinders inside are still, you know, you don't need to be repainting them yeah. dark or uh, a, a green color to match the, the RV. Um, <laughs> All keep, right. keep them bright. And, and we, I mean, we understand the aesthetic desire of, of these homes. We go through all the trouble to, to make the RV look as, and feel as much like home as we can. Uh, but that, you know, th those white cylinders are, are light colored for that very special, special reason. And it's for your safety. Got it. All right. So here's one that, uh, you know, until I started working and traveling a lot in the Midwest, I always bought my propane by the gallon. You go up, you park next to it, the guy pumps it in, he's tracking it, just like you're buying gasoline. Then in some places, they'd sell it to you by the pound. Is there a reason some people do one versus the other? States and, uh -huh. and jurisdictions having authority have, uh -huh. have different sets of rules. So in some jurisdictions, it's perfectly okay to, to fill by volume, which is that uh, the, the, the meter going into the tank and then other places it's uh, required to be filled by weight. Uh, and so that's, that really is just a, a, a local or state decision wow. on how they manage that. Well, good. And I will tell you, for the consumer's protection, the scale is because of the pressure that we're putting in the cylinder, probably a more accurate measure in that quick time to fill, fill those cylinders. The, the pressure going through that meter was probably designed for a, a home delivery tank with a, with a little different uh, setup. So uh, two, you know, 4.2 pounds per gallon, and, and you know how much you got in there. Yeah, that's great to know. You're listening to the RV Travel Podcast. I'm Scott Linden, your host. That's Brian Cordill, the Director of Residential and Commercial Business Development for the Propane Education and Research Council. Um, Brian, if you were to uh, insist that we do not do certain things with our RV propane system, uh, you know, the red flags in your industry, what, what are they? I think the first thing that we always see is is don't heat with the the three burner stove or mm -hmm. the oven. Mm -hmm. They're they're not designed for for that. Your your furnace is uh, vented to the to the atmosphere. So you our our our, home, our our coaches and and trailers are really tight and really well built. Um, and there's several things that that they're there for your safety, and that's that's really one of them. Uh, we always want to highlight the. The, the thing is just to, to enjoy 
the fuel. It provides you the the flexibility to to hit the road and, and go stay, whether it's in a in a campground that you have to back into or it's just a, a spot in a field on the side of a stream at a at a ranch that you have a friend that lets you go. You know, we give you the flexibility to to unplug and get away from from the world. So just like everything else on the, the coach, you treat it with respect and, and enjoy. Um, follow the rules. They 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 are there for, for each of us for each of our protection. How can we tell how much propane we have in those tanks? Again, the scale is the best way. Well, but um, but we're over at a campsite, and we're wondering if we're going to have to go to town. There are some testing strips and things that are on the market that they basically, you put the strip on the side, you pour hot water on it, and it tells you where the coldest or where the line of that liquid is in the tank. Okay. Um, there are very few manufacturers incorporate a gauge into a cylinder anymore because of that overfill prevention device that has the float took up the space that they were using to put a float on for the gauge. Uh, the, uh, unfortunately the, the tried and true message is, is the weight there on the stamp, on the tank, on the collar, there's a, a stamp. There's lots of stuff stamped on there, yeah. but there's something, there's a TW and then a number. And so that's a tear weight. That's mm-hmm. the empty weight of that cylinder. So if it's a seven and a half or 30 pound cylinder on the front of a common travel trailer, you're somewhere in the 27 to 30 pound tear weight. You know, you just have to see exactly what your cylinder's weight is. Sure. And then, then at full, you would have roughly 28, 29 pounds more than that in the cylinder. And then as you use it down, it'll at 4.2 pounds per gallon, it'll go down in weight. And that's really the, the most accurate way. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking of a barbecue grill I had years ago that actually had kind of a little mount on it that theoretically would would in effect weigh the tank and so it would tell you when it was really light, but I it was just a couple pieces of sheet metal, so I doubt it was very accurate. Okay, uh, the opposite of uh, things we should never do uh, is w- what should we almost always do with our propane system uh, in our RV? Should we should we leave it off when we're parked at home? Should we? Uh, what o- what are the things that you would like us to do in a perfect propane world? Well, I mean, in a perfect world, I'd like you to leave it on in the furnace at eighty degrees and, <laughs> and use. <laughs> Use as much propane as you could. Yeah, well, we're uh, we're doing our best. <laughs> the, this, I mean, the systems are, are are designed to to be you know stable in use. If yeah. you if you don't have water in the tanks, then shut the water heater off, and it, that may just be cut the whole whole system down. Uh, just just protect it so that it's you know you're not firing um, to make hot water in a in a tank that that's, that doesn't have resupply. Yeah. Just just we just want you to enjoy it. We want you to, you know, we've, we've all been home for over a year. Um, our viewers have had some flexibility to, to go and, and, and camp, but, but this, this summer season, we're going to have a great season. Uh, the industry's ready to take care of you, uh, to fill those tanks and, and, uh, you know, make it easy for you to get out there and enjoy the home. There we have it, uh, Brian Cordell with the Propane Education and Research Council. I hope you are educated now, thanks to his research. Brian, a pleasure speaking with you. Thanks so much for being a part of the RV Travel Podcast. 
Thanks. I really enjoy it. We need to do this face-to-face on the fly line next time. Ah, I'm all for that. I'll see you on the stream. (laughs) Don't you go away. We're going to tour that new Arcadia travel trailer. Yeah, with the folks who actually built it coming up right after uh, a couple more discussions here. The first, americasmailbox.com. Just like it sounds, americasmailbox.com. Great tax advantages. If you're thinking about looking at South Dakota for your uh, residency, if you're going to be full-time RVing, go visit with the folks at America's Mailbox. they got a bunch of plans. Even if it's just an extra long trip and you're not changing residency, they have a plan for you. They'll forward your mail. They'll take care of your packages, all sorts of things like that. You know, you don't even have to go there to take care of all that. Yeah, they're based in South Dakota, of course, but you can do all of this via phone, fax, email. They'll take care of you one way or the other. You can get used to all of that and try them out for a little while. See if it works on that next long trip. And if it does, of course, they'll take care of all your needs from insurance to registering your rig. You name it, they've got it. It's all at americasmailbox.com. Yeah, I promised you a, a podcast that stinks. And uh, living up to my promise, got a great expert on the line. You've probably seen his YouTube videos. T.R. Bolin is here with me. We're going to talk about black tanks. Maybe not your favorite subject, but it seems to be something that bothers everybody most of the time. I was particularly intrigued with uh, one aspect of of TR's insights, and so we'll jump in and get to that first. But before we begin the when we before we get down to the nitty gritty or whatever else you want to call it, this is a family <laughs> podcast. Um, <laughs> TR, welcome to the RV Travel Podcast. Thanks so much, Scott. I don't know if it'll stink or not. I hope not. I hope you find it very useful, but uh, <laughs> it is a subject that does stink occasionally, yes. Well, you know, but the like I said, and, it, and it's amazing, you know, my partner on this whole thing, Chuck Woodbury at RVTravel.com, he says, you ever need a topic that's popular, make sure it involves a black tank. And um, whether it's a joke or anything else, and, and granted, it probably is the... Oh, God, I'm going to say it. It was probably the butt of many jokes, but <laughs> but uh, but There's it so is double entendre you could throw in this. <laughs> I bet. I bet you've got a million of them. But uh, but first, you know, how how did you get to this point? And tell us a little bit about yourself and how you arrived here. OK, well, I'd be happy to. Uh, I am currently retired. I'm a retired IT geek in 2012. Well, I'm on my third retirement technically, but in 2012 I retired and I failed. I couldn't do it. And I ended up doing quite a bit of 1099 work. And in my past life, I had traveled about 80% of the time and spent way too much time in hotels and stuff. And I was going to have to be out on the East Coast for about six months to do a project. And I decided to buy an RV. And I did. And I drove out and I did the project. And the whole time I was out there, the black tank stunk. It was horrible. I couldn't get it to clean up. It was just miserable living in the RV with the black tank. Clearly, the previous owners hadn't done anything with it. So I started doing research like a lot of people do. I got on YouTube, and I started Googling and trying to figure out, okay, how do I fix this? And I ran across uh, a method uh, called the GEO method. It was 
I guess probably most expounded upon by a guy named Frank Bruni out of Arkansas. But his idea was is that for every tank, you put chlorine bleach, some kind of water softener, some kind of detergent, and you always flush from full tanks. And I started doing that, and it started to work. But in my opinion, I kind of traded one bad smell for another because then the RV always smelled like chlorine bleach. It was cleaner, obviously, but maybe not as well. I, I was going to say not as pleasant, but I, I I wasn't happy with it. And so I went back and started doing more research, and I did, discovered there was a group of folks out there using borax, the same borax, some kind of uh, detergent, and I changed over and started using that, and it worked amazingly well. No more bad odors, nothing like that. And that got me curious. I'm kind of a curious fellow. So I started doing some research on trying to understand the science behind why it was working. And if you'd like to learn some of that science, you can go over and watch the video on my YouTube channel. I spend about 10 minutes explaining how it all works. Yeah, and I, and I love it. Um, not that the subject is something I want to dwell on, but we're going to dwell on it for a little bit more, I promise you. Um, but uh, what is the name, What uh, what is your YouTube channel called so we can chase you down real easy? That's just simply T.R. Boland. I'm the only one on there. Great. And Great. Uh, the the uh, video itself is called How to Easily Get Rid of Black Tank Smells in Your RV. Well, I, I get it. I understand the, 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 the concept behind the ingredients in your um, concoction. But it flies in the face of the whole idea of us spending 12 or 15 or $25 on those little things that we throw into the toilet every time we dump our tanks. Uh, we don't work. Uh -huh. <laughs> well, maybe for a day or two till the perfume wears off but then you're back to the stink right you've you you're there you're you're uh, an rb guy so you know all about it yeah i do <laughs> uh i haven't learned the hard way knock wood but but is there i mean so what you're suggesting is that every time we flush the tanks we do what you tell us to do add this, the borax, uh, the water, maybe some Dawn dish soap. We'll get into the details. And that's all we use instead okay. of the, uh, whatever we call those tank treat treatment uh, concoctions. Yeah, don't, um, you don't have to use any of the commercial chemical treatments at all uh, if you use what I call the BioGeo method. And the reason I called it BioGeo to make it stand apart was because what we're doing is, is we're selecting for bacteria that love oxygen. And those oxygen-loving bacteria don't smell. Well, they smell, but they smell earthy. So like if you have a compost pile or you, do, or you have a pile of leaves or something, you might pick it up, it smells kind of earthy, like soil, versus smelling like a black tank, a bad black tank. And what the borax does is it adds oxygen to the tank. And that oxygen is the key to getting it to not smell. Even during the week, if you're doing this method and it starts to smell a little bit, all you have to do is add a little bit more borax to it, and that smell will disappear almost instantly. Wow. I love that idea. Of course, you know the other way to stop bacteria from smelling. Bleach? Hold its nose. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Sorry, dad joke from a guy who never was a dad, but I taught a whole bunch of kids well let let's just uh, yeah i mean this would be a great name for a, 
you know, for a boy band as well, flushing rules of thumb. But um, you you have some very strict rules about how to do this the right way. Well, I, let's let's not use strict, but they're good guidelines. There you go. All right. It really comes down to three easy steps. And the first of those, and I don't care what method you're using to maintain your tank, whether you're using chemical treatments from you know, some of the commercial vendors or stuff like that. There's another one out there called Happy Camper. But the flush is the most important part of any way that you maintain your black tank or your gray tank for that fact, but mostly black tank. And so it comes down to, like I say, three easy steps. You want to flush those tanks till they run as clear as practical. They don't have to be crystal clear. What I've discovered on my RV, and in the video, I highly recommend that people experiment because every tank is different. Every tank's going to drain a little different. But in my case, I only have to fill the tank about one-third full and then flush it. What you're doing is, is you're building up a current in that tank to flush away the heavy solids that are laying in the bottom of it. And if you don't get enough water in that tank before you pull that valve to open it, those solids and the sludge won't wash away, and that can create a huge problem that I talk about in the video quite extensively. It's called the poo pyramid. <laughs> he, he said pyramid. Pyramid. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it really is. I mean, you know, it's just because of the deposits into the tank, landing in the same spot, staying there for a while. And as a matter of fact, if you don't flush that away regularly, you'll end up with literally concrete. I call it adobe bricks if you think about it, you know, because it's poo and paper. And it will harden like concrete, and then it's really difficult to get out. But I have some tips on how to clean that out as well. You know, um, there's there's so many commonsensical bits of advice, you call them guidelines, that, that we never quite think about. We just... Well, maybe maybe it's psychology. You've probably done more study of that than me. But but there there are so many things that manufacturers, I think, do to kind of eliminate this whole subject from our from our head. The other one is the magical um, automatic flusher outer attachments. Uh, they used to be aftermarket. Now mine came with one. You hook up a hose and it sprays in there, gives your black tank a little shower. Right. And, and hopefully that's supposed to uh, at least clean off the sensor. Uh, wh what do you, what's your take on all of that? Well, I think if you do have one of those tank flushing systems, and I do, um, people don't run those correctly because if you leave your valve open while you're running your tank flusher, it doesn't build up enough water in the tank. And you could flush that thing for an hour and never wash away that whole poo pyramid. Yeah. So the, the key to flushing the tank properly is getting it to a level, at least a third full has been my rule of thumb. And that helps flush out the solids. There's also the wands that you can stick down the stool. They work extremely well also. And in fact, I tell people, if you don't have a tank flush system built in, to get one of those wands. Sure. And uh, because it, it, the key is getting that tank clean. Then pretty much after that tank is flushed, add a couple gallons of water, two or three, and then a half a cup of borax. And I, I say this is optional. Um, you want to use the Dawn if your tank sensors aren't working. So add a half a cup of Dawn dish soap, 
you can always use a little less if your tanks are smaller. I'm talking about a 40-gallon black tank, which is what I have on my RV. And so if you have a smaller tank, you might adjust this slightly. But the other thing that I say is use plenty of water when you can and use water wisely when you can. Sure. What I mean by that is, is if you're parked in an RV park, use lots of water. So you have to go out and dump your tank every once in a while. No big deal. But if you're out dry camping, and I spend a fair amount of time dry camping, use that water wisely. And by that, I keep a little dish basin in my sink, and mm -hmm. I'll wash my dishes in that basin. And then I'll take that uh, wash water from my dishes, and I'll go dump that in my toilet. Sure. Every bit of water you add to that holding tank adds more oxygen. We were talking about fishing before this segment started, right? Yes. And fish breathe in water because there's oxygen. And there's always oxygen dissolved in the water. And remember, we're trying to get more oxygen in the tank. That's why we add the borax is to help with the, you know, oxygen, oxygenating the water. And then adding additional water also helps add more oxygen to the water. When your tank starts smelling badly, you've gone anaerobic or lacking oxygen. And that's what will run you out of your RV. And that's the smell that a lot of people smell and complain about is that when that tank is anaerobic or lacking oxygen. Well, that all makes sense, especially when you use the compost analogy that that seems to drive things home to me. And even a, and maybe you have some experience with this too, but that, that is the basic idea behind a composting toilet that some people are using these days as well, isn't it? Absolutely. Yes. In yeah. fact, those composting toilets, you deposit your poo in some kind of a medium. Most of them, they use uh, peat moss. Huh. But they have a stirring lever, and that stirring lever breaks it up and gets that oxygen into that toilet so that it doesn't smell. Oxygen is the key here. If you don't want your holding tanks to smell, make sure you get lots of oxygen. So the parents in a full-time RV, um, when the kids uh, act up, they don't go to bed without their supper. They have to operate the stirring level lever. <laughs> That's a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. So, um, yeah, and you know, I came to this many RVs ago myself, this whole idea of doing all of the, what you're describing and then driving a while and, and letting it all slosh around in there. I mean, that's how we wash clothes. That's how I wash my dog. Well, I don't throw them in the holding tank, but I slosh them around. Um, th that, and you call it the road flush, exactly. uh, makes all the sense in the world to me. It sure does, doesn't it? I mean, you know, it's these. this is not rocket science, okay? I just sat down and figured this out because I was miserable. I was sick of this smell in my, hold, in my RV. So I call it the road flush, and there's two prescriptions for it, one for your gray tank and one for the black. In the black tank, again, you want to put in about a third of a capacity of the tank. So I have a 40-gallon tank. I'll add about six to eight, maybe 10 gallons of water. Mm-hmm. Add my borax and Dawn, and then drive to your next location, and then flush your tanks. And you're exactly right. The sloshing around helps keep the tank cleaned out. It's like you say, you're like washing clothes. Um, I mentioned here, you know, it's great for non-working tank monitors. It'll help clean the crud off those tank level monitors. And that's usually what causes them to stop working, is they get all crudded up with poo and paper, and then they just don't work properly. Yeah, they're it all... Always all the way full or they're never full. Yeah. Right, exactly. You know, in fact, mine always read full until I started treating the tank correctly, and now it works perfectly. And I, I have it. a 16-year-old RV. Wow. 
Um, quickly, let's talk about the difference between uh, what you do for a gray tank and what you do for a black tank. I know you're using a different, uh, a different uh, uh, additive, if you will. So walk us through yes. that. Um, it's exactly the same uh, prescription, except instead of using Dawn dish soap, use some kind of heavy-duty concentrated degreaser. I prefer Zep. However, Zep's not available in California, but the simple purple concentrate is, and it works just as well. So any kind of heavy-duty concentrated degreaser in that gray tank will help. The reason we change those from the black tank is the gray tank has a lot more grease sure. and oils. Think about, you know, when you're doing your dishes, you've got oil and stuff. Well, that stuff gets in the tank and accumulates, sticks to the walls and the floor, can cause it to smell, cause those tank sensors to not work correctly. So adding that in there is a better solvent to get rid of those oils, greases, and fats. And as you mentioned, and I appreciate this, I, I'm astounded at the variety of prices available for the same dang product. So you you suggest we shop wisely when we're buying this stuff. I mean, the, the price range is 10 bucks to 48 bucks, mm -hmm. And I prefer the former, not the latter. Probably you too. I do too. And in fact, you know, a, a part of this was cost, uh, you know, to make it less expensive to maintain those tanks. Uh, you know, if you're treating it right, it costs you less than 50 cents a tank. And those packets, you know, those whiz-bang orange packets you throw in are about a dollar a piece. Wow. Um, and the, and again, once the perfume wears off, they don't work. Well, there you have it. That's the, uh, the shortened version. Uh, if you want all the details and video of this exciting process, T.R. Bolin is where you go on YouTube, T-R-B-O-W-L-I-N. T.R., next time we'll talk fishing, well, which can get a little smelly once in a while too, but nothing like this. Thanks so much for helping my nose enjoy my next RV trip. Well, you know, Scott, it's been great to be on with you, and thanks for calling me up and asking me to, to get on here with you. Uh, yeah, lot to my YouTube channel. Not only is there all kinds of uh, information on maintaining your black tank, but lots of RV how-to videos. And I like to do that because, you know, people can do a lot of this maintenance themselves. And what I like to say is do the maintenance yourself, take the money you save, and then go camping with your family. I can't, I can't think of a better way to end our discussion. TR, thanks so much for being a part of the RV Travel Podcast. My pleasure, Scott. Take care, and we will talk to you very soon. Indeed. And I will talk to you even sooner than TR will be back with us, but he will be back. He's a fun guy. Um, we'll be touring the Little Guy Mini Max from Extreme Outdoors. Yeah, it's a trailer, and boy, have they got some innovative ideas there. Talking to the owner-builder coming up after this message from CarGenerator.com. Yeah, CarGenerator.com. You know, you even if you don't own a generator, you do own most of it. Yeah, you drive it to work. You drive it to your next camping destination. It's your vehicle. You add the car generator to it, simply clamp to the battery, and then you have shore power. Long running, very light, no maintenance backup power solutions required. It works on gas, diesel, hybrid, pure electric EV vehicles, 
just about any kind of vehicle can power the car generator. And then the car generator will power just about anything else that takes shore power. You know, you can use it on your uh, tow vehicle, your towed vehicle, even your vehicle. <laughs> if it's a motor coach, cargenerator.com is where you learn more about it. All sorts of great deals there. A couple choices on what type you need. Learn more and tell them we sent you here at the RV Travel Podcast at cargenerator.com. Oh, I just love this part of the RV Travel Podcast. This is when we get to talk to the folks who actually like make the decisions about the the rigs that we buy and use. Ask them the whys, the hows, the wheres, and what the heck is that thing hanging on the front? And uh, with us today from Extreme RV, you know their brand, Little Guy. Joe Kikos is one of the founders of Little Guy Trailers. Joe, welcome to the RV Travel Podcast. Hey, thank, thanks a bunch for having, having me on, Scott. I really appreciate it. You know, I'm so glad that we were able to pull this together for a bunch of reasons. And, and while I tout these as factory tours, you, you don't, you can't get there. You have to go to a dealer. The demand is so high, you have to go to the dang dealer to tour one of your own rigs, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. We have over, over 110 dealerships in North America. So, uh, yeah, you have to go to a dealer to buy our product. We don't sell factory direct. There's a lot of reasons for that. I won't go into all that unless you want me to explain why but yeah you go through a local dealer and you can find that at golittleguy.com golittleguy.com i'll repeat that later but it's pretty basic you all could figure that out now um i'm intrigued in particular because uh, you know i have a pretty big travel trailer and that's great when you have four dogs and three hunters and and maybe a spouse or four but I'm also looking for a little one. So I'm, I'm being a little selfish here when we talk, but why don't you just give us a little bit of the background and the motivation behind the whole little guy trailer concept? Well, little guy has been around, like I said, since 2003, and we've always been in the small lightweight towable. So we, we don't build the big stuff. We're, we're in a niche market. We know our market very, very well. And we've always been known for the very high quality, small lightweight towables and that's kind of the niche that we've carved out we're a leader in that industry right now well you say you know your market real well acquaint us with your market well our market is, is all the way from the first time buyer who's in a tent they want to upgrade they got a subaru or a, a smaller vehicle they don't want to go out and buy a big truck to pull a fifth wheel so they have an existing we all have a saying when you drove to work on monday you can take camping with you on friday because we are small lightweight also uh, people who've had big RVs, big Class A's, fifth wheels, they want to downsize. They want something smaller, lighter, easier to tow, easier to get around. Uh, a lot of the green, uh, going green uh, crowd loves our product because we're so environmentally conscious with our products that we use. So uh, it's kind of all over the board, our demographic, but it's growing all the time. Yeah, it's, it is. Um, in one way, I'd call it entry level for a first-timer rig, but at at the other end, it's also the one for people who've had so many, they are looking to, like you said, downsize a little bit, right? Absolutely. And they don't mind downsizing, but our buyers, they want quality. So yeah. just because our stuff is small, I mean, it's very high quality from our from our build process to the raw materials, the components that we use. 
It's a very high-end quality trailer. It's designed to be built to last a long time. All right, so let's start from right where you are on the dealer lot there. And, yes. And uh, where are you standing in relation to the, the Mini Max right now? I'm standing in front of the trailer right. in, in the airport. Airport's right over here, so it's a little bit windy, so hopefully you can hear me. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I'm at, the, I'm, I'm at the front of the trailer right now. All right, so let's uh, let's go from right there. Describe that front end, because I'm already seeing something slightly different than in many of the smaller RVs in particular. So start on the trailer tongue. Well, the, the first thing you're going to see in the front of the trailer is we build a radius. They have a very nice curves and very nice lines to our units. So the tongue is basically an A-frame. It's two by three tubular steel, and it takes a two-inch ball, like most you know, travel trailers take, and it has a, a seven-way connector on the front of the trailer with a diamond plate toolbox that houses the uh, propane and the battery. Any room for anything else in that toolbox? Uh, yeah, you can put a couple extra things in there. Like I'm opening it right now, and you can put your your propane, your battery, and uh, some people will, will customize it a little bit to put a few extras, which you can always put something on the front yeah. of the toolbox. You know, there's a there's an area there where you could put some diamond plating and put maybe a, a generator or an extra propane tank. So there's a lot you can do with the trailer. But when you look at the front, you're going to notice very nice curves and lines, not a box on wheels that a lot of manufacturers produce. And, you know, uh, I, I know we're, we're skipping ahead here, but uh, you can lean over and look to the back end because that same concept is on the back end, isn't it? It's, yep. it, you know, back when we were kids and we wanted those muscle cars, we wanted the muscle cars with the fast back. Yeah, right. Uh-huh. I mean, that, I think that's what I'd call that back end on yours. Yeah, and again, the, the whole the family of trailers is and always has been very, very appealing it has a it's, it's got a lot of curb appeal because of the shape and the look and they're like i say we build things in radiuses and it just um when it goes down the road you can definitely tell it's a little guy product because visually it really catches your eye and um and not just the shape of the box itself but um you've done some interesting things with windows and again let's let's walk down the uh, the passenger side uh, the the front door side if you will okay yeah, tell me what you're looking at there. I, I'm I'm intrigued. Well, I'm really glad you brought that up because that is a big difference from what we have, which is a lot of our competition has. Our windows, they're European in design. They're dual panel. They're acrylic. They're insulated. They're about an inch thick. When you put your finger in it, you feel the thickness of the window. So obviously that keeps it insulated very well when it's warm or keeps it air-conditioned much better when it's cool. And it also has embedded screens and blinds in the windows. That's very at the very high uh, selling point of our product are the dual panel acrylic European European windows that we use in our build process. And the other thing about being insulated like that, you don't get condensation, and condensation ends up being water. And uh, nobody wants to have water in their trailer. So we're we love the windows. Our customers love the windows. They're awesome. Um, what, we'll come back to the front door again later, but yeah, single axle, of course. Um, yes. And then it looks like a little. Uh, do you have any storage access on that side, on this, on the curb side? Oh yes, sir. Absolutely, we do. We have we've got storage in the back here, and we use a magnetic latch, so it goes up and it. You can hear it latching, and when you slam it, you shut it. You can hear it. It shuts. Uh, it's a very good fit. It's a very good door. But we don't use like a clip which you can pull away from the trailer. 
So, yeah, we have uh, uh, a lot of storage for a small little 17-foot trailer for sure. All right, keep walking. Uh, don't hit the bumper on your way around. <laughs> okay, um, no problem. And, and face the back end and describe describe what I would see if I was there. Well, what you're going to see is you're going to see, uh, again, a curved back end with a really nice radius, really nice line. You're going to see a very large window in the back, and we call that the stargazer window, where you can actually open the window from the inside if you want, and you open it, and there's screens. So if you want to have screens and look up at the sky, look up at the stars, you can do that and get the nice you know, cross ventilation of the wind. If you want privacy, there's blinds in there that blocks out the sun and gives you complete privacy. But it's a, it's a big, big selling feature of our trailer is the rear window. You're also going to see LED lights in the back. You're going to see uh, a receiver rack if you want to put something on the back of the hall, like something for coolers or bikes. You're going to see that as well. And if you look up, this has a solar panel on it. So it's got a 100-watt solar package on it. You can actually see the panel there. And, of course, we have a roof mount 13,500 BTU air conditioner on the top of the unit. So that's what you're going to see when you look at the back. And, of course, you have stabilizer jacks as well. And the spare tires underneath there too. Okay, but uh, you're being – you're being humble here. That window is not just a window. It is no. it, it, the shape follows the radius of the back of the trailer. And it, Absolutely. That's correct. Yes. And those windows are all custom made just for this unit. So, um, yes, it's a, it, it, it's, a, it's a very large window for sure. And uh, keep walking around the, the, the backside. Watch out for the corner there. And uh, on the, uh, I'll call it the street side, the driver's side, uh, what am I seeing if, if I'm over there? Well, you have another window, of course, there. There's, a, there's an exterior LED light, so when you're plugging in your 30-amp service, you've got light to see the power cord. Uh, there's a vent there. There is an external shower there, which is awesome because it has hot water with the shower system. There's the, uh, the heater exhaust door for the, for the propane uh, heater, and there's a, uh, also your water fill for the, for the uh, fresh water tanks. And you also have a connection in there for cable TV. If you go into a campground, you can plug in and have cable there as well. Nice. All right, so uh, slowly and take your time. Be carefully. Come back around the tongue. Don't hit your, you, know, you know, God gave us trailer tongues to remind us <laughs> that we had shins. Oh, um, yeah. But uh, uh, you're back. Uh, we're we're at the at the door of the trailer. Put the steps down. Let's go inside and get a look at the interior. Okay, sounds good. Steps are down. The door is open. We are inside. Okay. All right. Here, let's, here we uh, are. Okay, standing at the front door. Uh, look to your left and tell us what you're seeing over there. Well, you look to the left. You got a nice table there that will drop down, and you have a sleeping area. It's a 75 by 7 uh, queen sleeping area. So you're going to see that where you can it's a dinette but it also converts into a bed what you're also going to see which is awesome is a five foot cubic uh three-way refrigerator for a 17 foot trailer this has got a humongous refrigerator freezer in it which is a big selling feature of this also you're going to see of course that really big window in the back with the integrated screens and blinds and you also have one to the right you have one to the left and you also have a entertainment system here with the TV, uh, TV, DVD, uh, if you want to watch a movie or you want to listen to the radio, that kind of thing. So you have all this in the back here. Also have your solar panel um, controller back there so you can see the status of the solar and also the, uh, the uh, thermostat for the unit. 
when you when you make that uh, dinette into a bed, is it? Um, some people say north south or east west. Uh, it's going to be north south. Okay, north south. But also, what's kind of interesting about this is because of the way it's set up, you're predominantly going to be north south. Uh, you could also have if a couple or two people in here are smaller. One, you could have almost like a little twin configuration. So, um, yeah, it's a 75 inch by 70 sleeping area, and, and the cushions are like a, like a yacht. They're almost like marine grade cushions. They're they're beautiful. You know why doesn't everybody do that? The first thing everybody wants to do when they sit in my trailer now is replace the cushions on the dinette. Right, right. No, these are very, very, and also what you're going to notice everywhere. Uh, and it's another selling feature of our product is the wood is all it's all hardwood. It's not pressed particle particle board. It's not staple. It's not glued. It is 100% maple hardwood with dovetail construction. So it has a residential feel. So you don't have a trailer feel. You have like a residential feel when you see the build process, the windows, the the, the sink, the stove, the fridge. The hardwood dovetail real wood is a big selling feature of our product, and people just love it. Yeah, but but it doesn't have to be that heavy as a result of that, does it? No, uh, because we use Asdale sidewalls, which is basically aluminum cage foam block insulation. You don't have you know the the wood and the structure of the trailer where it's gonna it's gonna rot and go bad, and it's also a green product, so it's built to last a long time. So the weight on this is around twenty three hundred pounds. Okay. Uh, so that's the way of the trailer, 17 feet, 2 inches long, uh, 9 feet, 6 inches wide, about 91 inches tall. This particular unit has what's called the Rough Rider package, which is bigger tires and wheels on the unit. kind of lifts it up a little bit, kind of cosmetically gives it an attitude. All right, so you're at the front door. Uh, there's, yep. a, there's another door almost directly across from you. Open that door and walk in there. Okay, this is our shower. And by the way, I, I'm six six one. I'm standing up right now on this trailer. Uh, I'm right here. I'm not hunched over. I'm standing up, which is kind of nice. So now I'm walking into our shower. So this has a sh it's a wet bath. It's got the shower. It has a toilet in here. I'm inside. It's uh, it, you're, it's basically you're you know you're. The bathroom. I got too much yeah. to say about that. Yeah. Well, well, but interestingly, it's um, what was I going? It is. It is. Um, it is next to the galley. Um, in in a logical, uh, I'll call it the front driver's side corner, isn't it? Correct. You're absolutely yeah. right. Uh -huh. yeah, yeah. Very efficient use of space there. Um, walk back out now and uh, okay. make sure you keep your feet on the mat until they dry off. Okay. Um, describe what you have in the kitchen there. Um, I'm uh, in terms of the the appliances, the configuration of a uh, range, and that sort of thing. Okay. So in the kitchen, obviously, I'm looking out another one of our beautiful windows. I think we talked about the windows quite a bit. We have one yeah. of those windows right in front here. To the left, we have a a sink with a really nice stainless steel faucet. To the right, we have a we have a, a cooker. You know a, a Range. Propane cooker, yeah. Dometic, yeah, Dometic range off to the right here with the glass top, so you can put it down when you're not using. You can utilize that counter space as well. Uh, we have our again. I go back to our hardwood, real wood dovetail construction. Got a very very large uh, silverware drawer, almost like you'd see at your house. Uh, we have that in here below the uh, stove, and then below the sink area, there's more storage. There's a microwave below that, and below the microwave is more storage. And to the right, you get guess what? More storage. So under, under the stove, yeah. 
tons of storage for a small trailer like this. Believe me, it's uh, it's the the engineering of it, the way it's been laid. A lot of thought has gone into this for sure. Well, you know, let's get to that because it's 17 feet long. One wonders how much storage. Where else could you put storage? Is there any other place to put it? Well, I, I, absolutely, yes, there is. So when you come into the door, if I make a left before where the sleeping and the dinette area is, there is more storage. There's excuse me. There's one, two, three shelves here. Below that is your radio, your entertainment system, and then to the side there's another door with storage. And then when you go uh, to where the sleeping area, there's another door for storage. So you got a lot of storage in this. The um, it, it it's small, but it's mighty. Um, yep. Does it have all the other comforts of home? Uh, you know, uh, I'm presuming it's got a furnace somewhere. Yeah, it's got a furnace. Sure, it's got a furnace. It's got air conditioning. It's got a three-way fridge. Um, see what else shower sink stove pretty much has everything that you need really and and even on the outside there's a a railing system for our aftermarket screen room which is nice about this particular model it's called peter rail and it's on the radius of the trailer it's a, basically an aluminum tube channel and we have aftermarket products that can go on this like we have a a screen room you can put on it's custom made that doubles the living room space but does not increase the weight it's very, very popular. We have those, uh, this is already prepped for those products on each side. Wow. Um, so uh, basically, you, you called it a screen room, so I'm not going to say it's it's kind of like a tent, but it is kind of like a tent but made out of screen. <laughs> is that is that a safe way to describe it? Well, there's three different options. There's okay. a visor, there's an awning, and we call it the screen room. The screen room slides into this channel. It's custom made. It has a sewn-in floor. Uh, so you can put people out there. You can put kids out there. You can put some tent, or you can put a couple cots out there, and it zips up for complete privacy. So it's like having your own tent that's custom made that interfaces with this trailer. So you can actually have the door open at night, have a couple kids sleeping out there. It's like they're part of the trailer. Now, if you just want to have an awning, you can put an awning on this for, for shade, or you can put a visor on there as well. So there's three aftermarket products that interface with this trailer. And it's all, and it's already prepped for it from the factory. Oh, can a music major like me figure out how to operate that? <laughs> Absolutely. If I can do it, I'm an ex, I'm an ex pilot. So if I can do it, uh, anybody can do it. It's not hard. Um, there's a website called TeardropShop.com, and that's where a lot of the aftermarket accessories can be purchased. And they come in different colors. They're made here in the USA. It's custom, but. That's one thing is you can double the living room space and not affect the weight with those aftermarket accessories. I love the idea of uh, making the kids stay out there, especially if they were <laughs> naughty that day. Uh, Absolutely. But I can think of a whole bunch of other uses for it as well. So that's, that's real nice. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's, um, it's an exciting little product. I, you know, I would call it, um, Euro themed, and I'm sorry if I'm being a little bit presumptuous, but it's just a cool looking product. It looks like it it would be easy to tow. Is there any? You mentioned you were a former pilot. Um, yeah. it, uh, is there any logic to the, uh, or does it matter? You know, there, it almost has the you know some aeronautical look to it, and I, I'm wondering about going down the mm -hmm. road and that sort of thing. Does that help at all? 
Absolutely. It's, it's, got, it's got a camber to it. It's got the curves. It's got the curved lines. You know, the teardrop trailers came out after the war, Second World mm-hmm, War. Mm-hmm. They actually they actually used uh, uh, wings from B-17 bombers, and they used surplus parts from the from the airplanes and sunken, you know, they would get the, the axles off old Jeeps and stuff. And they actually used teardrop trailers as honeymoon suites. But then, you know, think back then. Cars had flathead sixes. They didn't have any horsepower. They had to have something small, lightweight they could tow. So the original teardrop trailers components actually came out of aviation. Okay, hold on here. Did I, check me on this. So the original teardrop was what part of a bomber? Uh, well, they took different. There was B-17s. They would take the wings. They yeah. basically would use the wings. And they took the aluminum off. of it. Like the original teardrops were all that. Just aluminum. They'd strip the, the aluminum off the wings. Yeah. And they, they and they would build. They're all mom and pop. People would build them in their garages. They were. Uh, we didn't. We when little guy came out, the idea was to be the Model T of teardrop trailers. Up to that point, it was all just home built. You yeah. know, and they'd scrap out the aluminum and they would piecemeal these things together after the war because they had surplus parts. So our trailers had that aeronautical look for a good reason. There's history there, a lot of history. I love it. So you're you're pulling uh, pulling the World War II legacy behind you when you're pulling a teardrop style trailer, and uh, probably the fanciest, coolest, bitchinest looking model of that <laughs> is, is the Mini Max from Extreme That's- Outdoors. Little guy Mini Max. Who came up with that? Uh, you know, basically, I, it was I came up with myself with with our team. You know, we. We all work together when we when we promote new products or design new products. But way back from 2003, our, the original teardrops we had, had were four by eight dog houses on wheels with a curved front. I mean, there was nothing to them. There was no air conditioning. There was no mattress. It was a four by eight box with a curved front, and that was it. And there was maybe a fan, and that was there was no no other amenities and of course over time things evolve and we listen to the marketplace and we just over time we evolve the product to what it is now yeah but in the very beginning it was very basic well you know some people are still all about basic but most of us would prefer a few of the comforts of home and you've got them all the little guy mini max is what we've been talking about if you want to learn more about the the line and there's a couple others in there including i'll call it a 21st century mini I don't want to call it a teardrop because that's not what it really is, is it? Uh, you're talking about the 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 MyPod. The other yes, one? yeah. Yeah. So the MyPod is a very is a very cool looking trailer. It's all fiberglass. You can't really classify it as a teardrop, but yeah. that's definitely definitely small, very lightweight. It's only 760 pounds. Has all kind, and, and that's all on our website too. Yeah. So you can you can check that out as well. Yeah. So learn more at go littleguy.com learn all about the little guy trailers uh, from extreme and um you know this has been fun fascinating eye-opening i learned a little history on top of everything else great to talk to another former pilot and yep. um uh, how are things going can people find one of these well they're hard right now hard, hard to find and, and, I, and i mean and that's the industry has been so hot right now yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, everywhere and you know we we uh, we don't really mass produce. We've built about five six units a day right now, so we control the build process. But yes, they are hard to find. And uh, like I said, we have a lot of very good dealers in the country. They all have stuff on order. So it, you may have to be a little bit patient. But you know some things are worth waiting for. And you know, this is a luxury high end teardrop trailer. 
And uh, if you got to wait a little bit for one, you're going to be glad you did because you're going to be happy with what you got. There you go. Appreciate all your help. Boy, am I intrigued. Uh, Joe Kikos, Mini Max is the unit we've been looking at. If you want to learn more, go littleguy.com. Joe, thanks for being a part of the RV Travel Podcast. Hey, no, no problem. It's a real pleasure to have me on the show. And, and the parent company is Extreme Outdoors. Extreme Outdoors. I mean, Extreme Outdoors is the is the is the company, and the Little Guy brand is, is manufactured by Extreme Outdoors. Because there is an Extreme RV, so I want to make sure that we figure up a little bit here. Yeah. Thank you so much for clarifying. <laughs> yeah. Appreciate that a lot, Joe Kikos. Thanks again for being on the podcast. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. it was a lot of fun. Boy. I guess that wasn't stinky. So we weren't talking the whole time about stuff that smells. Although that new trailer smell is always worth talking about. Thanks to everybody who's been a part of the RV Travel Podcast. From T.R. Bolin and Joe Kikos to Brian Cordill with the propane. Uh, you know those propane people. I don't have enough, I don't have enough of, uh, breath to, to go any farther than that. But uh, appreciate all of your participation. But more importantly, I appreciate you listeners out there. If you like what you're hearing, please tell everybody. Rate us on Apple Podcasts. Go to rvtravel.com. Support that organization as well because they support us. And listen there. It's very convenient if you haven't signed up yet. Get the daily newsletter and learn more on a day-to-day basis. Take the polls. They're always fun. Call me, share your own story, or drop me a note at the podcast page at rvtravel.com. Until next time, I'm Scott Linden. Thanks for listening. See you down the road.